Hi, everybody, and welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. Uh, my name is Jenny. And I'm Ellie. Yeah, so uh, today we have a very interesting episode, but before we get into that, um, Ellie, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm good. Um, I hope you have something to talk about before we start the episode, because I um, have been kind of slammed. So my notes for this episode are a little like bare minimum, and I didn't have time to like prepare anything interesting. It's improv time. We always do our best, but we're just improving. I think. Nobody will know the difference. Yeah, so I might need you to sort of like hold my hand a little bit at certain points. I'm always ready for that. I'm always ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. But I did I did watch the episodes, like, but I did not have time to re-watch this episode. So I watched this ep- so I watched it like a week ago. So at certain points I might forget a little bit. Forgive me, everyone. <laughs> Go ahead and say so dedicate your story. <laughs> yeah, my uh, I was on vacation last week. I was visiting my sister up in the Twin Cities, which was super fun. Did a lot of cool stuff, drank at a lot of really interesting breweries. But the most important thing is that I got to play DDR again for the first time in 15 years. Oh, nice. And proven that it's still the only athletic ability that I can beat both my brother and sister at. I can still whoop ass at DDR. I trained hardcore yes. from the age 11, ages 11 to 13, and my training is still ingrained in my elderly body. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest victory. Also, it's good to see my family again or whatever, but mostly. <laughs> Most importantly, to know that you can still dominate them at DDR. Yeah, I got to play DDR in the Twin Cities area. It's this great mini golf slash arcade. Um, and it has arcade games going back to the 1920s and then like super modern arcade games. It's called Can Can Wonderland. I would recommend. That sounds awesome. That's my plug. Uh, I wasted, not did not waste, spent many hours, many happy, happy hours there. Also some really good milkshakes. So I'm not being paid by them at all. I would do this completely <laughs> anyway. But sponsorship. Can Can Wonderland in St. Paul. We've gone from um, recommending books and movies and things to recommending really specific tourist experiences. <laughs> We've got antique bookstores, mini golf arcades. I know because. What will we recommend next? <laughs> the last time we did something like this was like a couple episodes ago, and I was like, this museum is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. We should, at the end of a. Uh, at the end of the season, sort of like collect all the places we recommend and create the most bizarre road trip map of all time. I was going to say, I do want to do like a season wrap up when at the end. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I think would be fun would just be to read off like the, the condensed list of everything we've recommended, like the entire time and see what an eclectic mix of things it is that we have updated. Also, on. my goal for the end, once we do this season wrap up, is I'm definitely going to rewatch the series really quickly and do an official tally of how many times Yugi gets beat up. We've mentioned it, and I will be holding myself accountable to doing it. What are some other things we could do in a season wrap up? Now I'm, I'm thinking about this now. Um, times Yugi's been beat up. <laughs> Maybe we could do like a ranking of the best episodes. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Ranking of best episodes. Ranking of worst episodes as well. Top five, worst five. Scorecard for how well um, you and the guests have done on the game where you have to guess the ship name. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even want to know what my current percentage is. But you know what? It's more fun to lose than that. I'm not going to lie. I have been keeping track of it. So (laughs) I, I, I knew you would and I'm glad. Very organized. 
they said it. I, do we want to just go ahead and jump in? Yeah, well, like I said, I think we're going to have a lot to discuss, so let's dive in. All right, so today's episode, episode number 15, is titled Scary Woman, Unable to Transform. And let me tell you, <laughs> folks, this episode has everything. Macbeth, hot triplets, card games, love pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> There's quite a bit. Uh, so this episode is completely anime unique and probably one of the more wild ones just because it does have, we get more and more of that sweet continuity um, not quite as heavily as we did the last couple episodes, but they've been on a bit of a continuity binge, except this time the continuity is just completely anime only. Uh, but I think that it's a great addition. Just, I love everything that happens in this episode. I think it's really great. Yeah, there's a lot of shipping fodder here, almost no matter what your ship is. <laughs> exactly. You cannot lose. Also, okay. this is probably one of my top three, like, anime unique episode villains. Mm-hmm. All right, so this episode starts, I knew I was going to love this episode because it starts with um, three young women in a huge creepy mansion and they are like all around a cauldron and they're chanting the famous witch's Macbeth quote, which is eye of newt, toe of frog. I don't know the whole thing, but if you know, it's the witch chant. Do you, do you yes. have it memorized? I mean, I don't know it. And also I did look it up and it's like, I think it has been, um, you know, condensed for the show. Plus there's also like translation. I'm not sure whether or not. The- Honestly, that would be a very, I would respect the move if they just started out with literally a soliloquy from Macbeth that lasted for like 30 seconds to a minute. <laughs> this will fill time. I would respect if they spent some of their precious 22 minutes on that. I think that would be dedication to the bit. But anyway. There's too much other stuff (laughs) to do. They have to get through a whole bunch of other stuff. Yes. So basically, they are throwing ingredients in their little pot. They're doing their little Macbeth chant. They're having a good time. Lightning is clashing. They're being very vague. It's very unclear what they're looking for, but they're clearly seeking something. Mm-hmm. So because the next day, we are at Yugi's family's game shop. Grandpa is showing them uh, that he has got a new set of Duel Monsters cards. Yeah. Um, he's saying the card games. Grandpa is like, oh, this card game is starting to get really popular. Some dark foreshadowing to a world in which card games literally determine every part of your existence. But Grandpa <laughs> yeah. know that yet. It's oncoming. It's like slowly building up over time. They had no idea how far it would end up. <laughs> Grandpa, you'll regret that when you, like how, how valuable cards are. You'll regret that in a couple <laughs> episodes. Um, so Anzu and Yugi are at the shop and talking to Grandpa. We get this cute line where Anzu's like, oh, I'm also teaching myself dual monsters. Wish that would go anywhere, but it doesn't matter. She could have had her, excuse me for saying this, Miho during the egg episode moment. Yes. Where she got to really start a game and then play a little bit. Like, I don't need everybody to win. Uh, the whole point of the series is that Yami wins all the games. But um, yeah. all right. So Yugi and Anzu get some free packs from Grandpa. Nepotism at its finest. Um, so Yugi's disappointed. He already know, has all the cards in his pack. But Anzu's really excited because she got this really cool looking card. Um, and as she's sort of excitedly showing you the card, we see somebody who's clearly wearing like an old style cloak gown enter the shop. Anzu shows the card and it's apparently an extremely rare card. It looks like a purple, a priestess who's wearing all purple. The LARPers are in the game shop. <laughs> <laughs> the LARPers are in for the day. Look out. Um, <laughs> Grandpa's like, just head to the back. <laughs> Got the games going on there. D&D is that way. <laughs> I would love to be a, par- a LARPer or like a D&D player at grandpa's shop that would be so fun it does not seem big enough i'm gonna be honest i've done local game store D, and you need 
like so much space. That's true. There's no way. I've seen how big that shop is. You've been you've been to that shop. I've seen <laughs> I have seen the image on the screen of the physical size of the entire building, and there is no room unless they're like, sorry, Yugi and Yugi's mom, who may or may not exist, we're taking <laughs> over your bedroom for the day to host the Wizards of the Coast tournament. Maybe grandpa makes all of them sleep on the third floor. There's two floors and Two floors are dedicated to gaming. Yugi has to go in the attic. <laughs> Yugi lives in the attic. That's where he belongs. He's safer there. Anyway. <laughs> As Yugi explains to Anzu that she has received the super rare Violet Hecate card, the person who has entered the store has a physical reaction. You can't see their face, but it's clear that they are intrigued by whatever this card is. We've seen this happen already with Seto and the Blue Eyes White Dragon, so we know this probably won't end well. But how bad could it be? But anyway, Anzu decides, oh, well, I'm not that good at this game, and it clearly means a lot to you, so Yugi, you can have the card, which is very cute. We get a very cute shot of Yugi, too. He starts hopping around like a little happy frog. It's very cute. He's animated like he's <laughs> six years old. It's adorable. At this point, we get a little bit of a segue from Anzu, who sort of notices, oh, it's back to that old child of Yugi, the one that I've always known. And keeping in theme with the last two episodes, that continuity, I mean, I think it was just last episode that she almost got blown up. She sort of uh, realizes that, or doesn't realize what's happening and is sort of confused, like, how can these two people be the same person? Are they the same person? What's going on? I mean, it is a weird situation. It is a very bizarre (laughs) situation. I don't blame her for not realizing. Perhaps even even we people who are watching this show have been fans of this show for years and know how it ends do not fully understand the situation as evidenced by our like multiple debates about how exactly the whole switch between yugi and yami works (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so during this confrontation um the customer the mysterious cloaked larp customer has left the building grandpa's kind of like oh another missed sale sorry grandpa can't do shit in this business economy. It's cuts to the next day of school and Yugi is bragging to all of his friends about the new card that Anzu gave him. Uh, and Miho is like, it looks so pretty. I want one, which relatable. If I honestly, my, when I do dual links, I, I do try and build a solid deck, but I definitely try and build like cute decks. I'm very into the aesthetic of my deck. I mean, I think everybody starts at least mm-hmm. somewhat from aesthetic exactly. because there's just so many options that you can find something that has an that combines like an aesthetic and a play style that you like probably exactly honestly that was what made duel links the most fun when you're sort of like mid-tier like in the middle of all of the quests it's definitely an app this is the Yu-Gi-Oh card Mm -hmm. game app if any of you are curious it's okay I wouldn't not recommend it I wouldn't recommend it but it's best in the middle because that's when you're getting a bunch of different cards, you get to like form decks and everything isn't completely busted so that you, if you especially want to do any like player versus player play, you have to have a certain deck because everybody's cheating and getting decks online. Yeah, I haven't been keeping up with, I haven't kept up with Duel Links enough to know like where the meta is at right now. I just remember like during the the, the first mm-hmm. Kaiba Cup tournament when um everybody had that freaking like, lava golem card that sits on your side of the field (laughs) i hated that one and they were and it it would always be weevils people would always be playing as weevil you'd play you'd like get matched against a weevil and you'd be like oh my god here comes the lava my my one other memory is there was one also meta deck that was like 
I don't remember the name. They were really long names too. It was really long names and they were sort of like plant sorceress girls. Oh, the aroma, like aroma mage, arrow mage, arrow mage. Arrow mage. So annoying because that that involved a lot of like putting cards back in the deck, taking stuff to your graveyard. So their turns would take fucking forever. So long. And you just knew that you were going to die at the end of the match and you just had to, it was like some form of torture. It was horrible. Yeah, I I actually, um, I ran an Arrow Mage deck for a little while. I'm sorry. Because I got enough, I ran it too, okay? Because I yeah, exactly. Because I offend my aesthetics. They're very cool, like, plant witches. Yeah, nothing's wrong with, as we will see this episode, gotta love witches. I love witch decks. All right, so at this point, everybody, all of the, all of Yugi's friends are interested in playing some more dual monsters. So Yugi's like, I will help train you guys. He's opening his locker and what do you know, a love letter falls out. So this immediately sends Joey and Honda. It's like sealed with a heart. Yeah, it's got a little heart on it. Clearly love letter. Uh, Joey and Honda didn't really see where it came from. So they both immediately die for it, are convinced that it's for them. Just absolutely beating the shit out of each other. Miho takes it and notices, oh, Yugi's name is written on it. This surprises literally everybody. <laughs> so yeah. Joey and Joey and Honda grab the letter. They're like, holy shit, what is this? And then um I think is it either Anzu or Miho like reads out the letter. Yes, yeah. No, Anzu starts reading it out, which she's clearly been pretty agitated this whole time. Um, she's had some pretty some episodes recently that hinted at potential feelings for Yugi, and she's clearly not very happy. Yeah, that really ramps up in this episode. It's pretty clear that Anzu... Love Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> Think of who the five people could be. You could probably guess two to three of them. <laughs> anyway, uh, so at this point, Anzu reads the letter. It is from a girl named Risa Kagayama, which I was like, yeah. Q. I keep winning. That's the name of one of the boys from Q. Yeah, this is, um, now I must judge whether that one person on AO3, when we were looking up if there are fix with Hanasaki in them, that one person who shipped him with her, now I must judge whether or not they are correct. Huh. Do you remember that? That I do remember that. I'm just, I think at the end of the episode, we'll reserve judgment till the end of the episode, but I think Hanasaki will have to be into some very particular things. Yeah. Um, We recorded that, like, over a month ago, but that, um, I'm pretty sure that the schedule, is that will be, like, the most recent episode that came out on our feed so then let's see if we sound huh about something we were talking about last week to you mm-hmm. it has been or- over a month in real life <laughs> all right well so risa has written a very cute letter she notes that she has seen yuki from afar she has feelings for him and she would like to meet him at least once at domino park um so pretty safe bet you know meeting in a public place yuki won't be kidnapped Let's see how this turns out. Uh, Miho is immediately, just immediately gung-ho and respect that she just loves love. She's like, you should absolutely meet her. Uh, also, she says something very cute where she's like, I think you're very popular with with girls, Yugi. And, and she's not she's being, like, no, Yugi. <laughs> yeah, she's not being um, sarcastic or mocking at all. She's clearly very sincere. And I, would, I think that's probably true. I would think that probably a lot of girls in Yugi school would find him adorable. They wouldn't necessarily yeah. date him, but I think he would be popular in that sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I, at least that's how I would feel, but who knows? What's that that meme that's like, um, I will protect it. I want to see it grow up happy and safe or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the exact phrasing, but that that's how mm-hmm. I feel about Yugi. That's absolutely true. I would say 
there, this whole episode, I wrote notes about this. There are some absolutely, truly tiny Yugi shots this episode, just absolutely minuscule. Like he just looks so, so tiny in comparison to people. I know it hits every, it hits me every episode. I keep bringing it up, but this one in particular, there's just lots of full body shots of him next to taller people. So everybody, and God, you want to just put him in your little pocket. You just want to pick him up, put him in your pocket. But anyway, Yugi is understandably like, I don't really know this person. Maybe he's thinking back to that creepy college guy that was into Miho over a distance and is like, that didn't turn out so well. So maybe this one also won't turn out so well. So at this point, Joey and Honda get very smug and are like, Risa Kageyama is the name of an ugly girl. She's a she Frankenstein, a Franken girl. So, uh... Haha, we win in the end. They also have this funny line where they're like, Joey all of a sudden is like, Honda, we're getting along very well today as they just like mock this poor girl they've never met. Yeah, there's a really weird, um, I don't understand why in this episode, they've suddenly changed things. So it's like, oh, Genochi and Honda are both like complete goofball comedy relief side characters in a way that is not really how either of them have acted before. Mm-hmm. Like Honda is very goofy, yeah. but he's not goofy in this way. Yeah. And I think that's like my biggest weak point or criticism of this episode, which Absolutely. I mean, we usually do like overall final thoughts or whatever at the end, but like this weird honda and Genochi dynamic that just kind of came out of nowhere i'm like what i think it's because they didn't really know what to do with them this episode so they were like we're gonna have them be a goofy comedy duo basically yeah but very strange there's a funny fact though because while while they are mocking uh this girl they just over her name at some point and this is something that didn't translate very well because Honda says all girls with kana in their name which i don't think risa kageyama has or is that sort of katakana like the writing oh okay basically there's something about like the way her name is written unfortunately honda didn't think this through through and miho's name is written the same way Mm -hmm. um so she realizes this and freaks out and starts running away crying so honda's taken another l on the miho front uncountable l's that boy has taken so honda at this point sort of asks yugi what are you gonna do uh, Honda's like, well, you have to be kind letting her down because she's a Franken girl, so she's gonna like, kill you if you say if you say no, which very smooth. That's why you're doing so great with Miho, bud. But in the end, Yugi decides I'm gonna go and at least talk to her and let her down in person because that's the nice thing to do. Yeah, well, also, like, he's never met this girl. They could hit it off. It's very reasonable. He would, it would be totally fine if he just didn't want to go to the park at all. And yet again, I just brought this up, but the last incident with Warshiba-kun, the the freak Minecraft Eggman, uh, did not go so well. So, for Miho. So, they, they're batting zero right now. I would understand any trepidation he had. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Yugi decides to go. He's sitting on a bench, which... Another just very tiny shot. He looks like he's five years old sitting on this bench. Like his feet are like three feet off the ground. It's a great time. And of course, Anzu, Joey, Honda, and Miho are all spying on him from the bushes. So Anzu's spider sense suddenly starts going off. And sure enough, um, Riza herself shows up. She looks great. She's like a short bob, purple hair. She's got this really cool all black 
with some purple accent schoolgirl girl uniform. Anzu actually recognizes it. I would say, imagine, just visualize the really fancy girls' school in mm-hmm. your favorite anime, and it, it looks like that. Well, it's called, like, the, the academy is called the Black Rose Girls Academy, which I was like, that sounds like something from Utena, but it's only because- Yes, I'm very like, Utena. There is a whole thing yeah. about the Black Rose in Utena. Mm. So yeah, there's ominous. I haven't seen Utena, but there we go. So I keep telling you, you need to watch it, Jenny. You have to watch Utena. I will. I just know it's sad. And so I, that and like Banana Fish, I just keep putting off because I know they're really good, but I also know they're sad and I hate being sad. There is, there is definitely sad stuff in Utena, but I would describe it as like, there is also a lot of like wacky shit mm-hmm. and just cool stuff. Yeah. It's not relentlessly depressing. It's yeah. just really good. And it has like an overall uplifting ending even though there is a lot of sad and dark shit yeah okay okay i will once i finish one piece so three years <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so riza has arrived she looks really cute yugi's clearly a little flustered he's blushing um riza immediately hands him a present something that she knitted this girl has not heard of the sweater curse the sweater curse <laughs> that's what i wrote in my notes too yeah we haven't seen that sweater yet but she's going all in knitted fully knitted gear she also is immediately like i fell in love with you at first sight when i saw you at grandpa's game shop she then immediately goes oh that's a cute pendant you have there noticing the millennium puzzle attempts to touch it and just turns away and her face goes like an evil snake and she like she literally hisses turns away her face gets a little nasty and her hair gets kind of scraggly which is going to kind mm-hmm. of be her evil persona that we'll see over this episode she goes jokerfied she covers it up by being like yugi's like oh are you okay and she just covers up by being like i'm just so overwhelmed i've got to go and she runs away um so very smooth that's why you don't immediately go um touching someone's huge pendant you gotta be careful Melian Puzzle knows a knows a bitch when it sees one. Yeah, that's true. So at this point, um, all four of the his friends sort of like fall out of the bush that they were hiding in. <laughs> Stalker behavior. Yeah, Miho immediately grabs the gift, which we find is a sweater. Actually, it's not quite a sweater, it's a summer vest. So I would still count that with him. Yeah, I didn't get that. It definitely looked like a sweater, but my subtitle said like summer clothes. I was just like, oh, okay. What's what is the exact terms of the sweater curse? Is it just if you give them a hand It's, it's if you knit a sweater for somebody that you're dating, they'll break up with you. Wow, sorry. I'm looking at the, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia somewhere really quickly. And in a 2005 poll, 15% of active knitters said that they had experienced the sweater curse firsthand. And 41% considered it a possibility that should be taken seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually surprisingly low. 40%? Yeah. Knitters are just, they believe in love. Where were we at? It's a hand knitted sweater summer vest it looks horrible but it was made with love and that's what matters so at this point joey and honda are on their knees begging for forgiveness from yugi and then they also are clearly depressed because they're like man can't believe yugi's got such good game without even trying we're gonna go home and rethink our lives which yeah maybe (laughs) you should anzi yet again is like yugi what what are you gonna do about this uh risa does seem pretty serious about this and you can tell that she's jealous she's she's kind of holding it in a little well 
and she even sort of briefly considers like, oh, she's really cute. Maybe he's going to go out with her. But I do really admire, I think she's pretty restrained a good chunk of this episode until things start getting weird. And Miho has totally correctly identified that Anzu is jealous. Because mm-hmm. she's like, ooh, Anzu, you're kind of, you're kind of jealous. And then Anzu just blows up at her. <laughs> yeah, she oh, she just redirects all her, her rage at Miho, which deserve. Because Miho's in this state where she's like, I win either way. Because either I get to see Yugi hook up with a cute girl, or finally Yugi and Anzu will get together. And I just love love. Yeah, Miho just is just here for the drama. So at this point, Yugi says the very rational thing, which is, I still don't know what I'm going to do about this. I've just met Risa. I don't even know her. Um, so then cuts to that night. Yugi and Grandpa are playing a dual monsters game. Grandpa is winning. He's summoning this dark dragon, which is kind of turning the tables on Yugi. But it's clear that Yugi is kind of spaced out and not paying attention. And Grandpa's like, what? Not paying attention to card games? There must be something very, very wrong. <laughs> yeah, he. this is extremely out of character for you. Yugi, during the middle of the game, he starts getting a phone call. He answers it. And on the other line is Riza herself. She does this kind of cute thing where she's like, hey, can you guess who it is before introducing herself? And he's like, oh, is this Riza from today? And she's like, teehee, you remembered me, which is a little cute, a slick move. I'll give her that. So at this time, she's like, can we meet again at the same place tomorrow? He's, he agrees to meet her. He says, okay, this is a perfect time for me to let her down gently. So sure enough, the next day they meet up at Domino Park. This time, Risa has more knitted gifts. I think they're socks, maybe mittens. I don't remember exactly. I think it was mittens, but I'm, I also, I didn't, like I said, okay, my notes on this episode are not to my typical standard. All right. She gives him some sort of pink hand or foot covering that look very cute. Like maybe it's leg warmers. We'll just never know. She's like, it seems like you're wearing the same bondage gear under your uh, student clothes every day. I thought I would maybe spruce it up with some pink and Yugi's like, I hate this, but you seem nice. I would love to see Yugi in some pink 80s leg warmers. <laughs> I just would love to see him in a casual fit that isn't his school uniform. I, I don't remember I if we do. I don't think we do, but I really hope so. I really hope so. So at this point, Yugi and Riza are talking some more. Yugi's just sort of asking her about herself. And Riza is kind of getting the sense that Yugi's not into her as much. Um, she, she gets all flustered and sort of turns away and says, oh, I'm, I'm bothering you. A person like me is nothing but a bother. And Yugi says, no, you're, you're very beautiful. At this point, we get another shot of sort of her evil face as she's turned away from him. But she immediately looks back. She looks all cute again, sort of shoves the socks slash mittens into his hand and just runs away. She's like, yay, thank you. I hope we can meet again. And, and Yugi's clearly kind of bummed that he couldn't uh, reject her at this moment. But he also is pretty flustered. He's blushing again. So at this point, Yugi goes to school again. And he starts lying to his friends, basically saying like, oh, I haven't seen her again since we first met. And his sort of internal justification is, oh, I'm going to break up with her or reject her the next time I see her. So I don't want to bother people. And it's pretty funny because Joey, Honda, and Miho are clearly all bummed. Joey and Honda, I guess, were just trying to help a bro out. And Miho just loves the drama. But Anzu's just been sort of dead quiet. Anzu's like, well, I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. She's like, if I say something, I'm going to fucking burst. And good for her. Good restraint. At the end of school, they are heading home. And Joey's like, oh, it's our day off tomorrow. Or he's basically talking about their next day off. And Yuki sees, he can sort of see some pink hair behind it, or purple hair, I apologize, behind a tree. And is like, oh, I should meet up with her for the last time and finally break up with her. He gives like a very weak excuse and runs off and Anju's like, all right, now I'm officially suspicious. Um, So Yugi and Riza meet up and as they're walking down the street, uh, we see a limousine pull up. This is when I was 
simply began to scream. <laughs> I was not expecting this. 100% not expecting this at all. <laughs> Surprise, it's a Seto Kaimba episode. <laughs> Literally, this limo drives up and the window lowers and Kaiba is lurking with him and he's like, oh, you he's on a date with this girl. So I guess he's just been ordering his his chauffeur to like drive around the city and stalk Yugi Muro because <laughs> normal behavior. He's like he's like look for a boy with ridiculous five point hair and make sure he doesn't get into any romantic entanglements. But I guess the Anzi one was fine. But still um this is at this point said was like oh i have a bad feeling about this girl and i'm like yeah because you're so great <laughs> yeah he's like back off this is my territory I'm... back off <laughs> he already has a sexy rival you don't get to <laughs> literally honestly literally that's what this whole episode is about is just sexy rival fighting it's so funny anyway um we get cut back to anzu and at this point anzu kind of I think properly identifies that Yugi might really struggle with um, turning Riza down just because mm-hmm. he's so nice. So Riza might get away with dating Yugi for a while just because he doesn't want to hurt your feelings. Or Anzu's like, clearly Yugi was not being honest with me. I'm going to head to his house and sort of call him out and tell her, tell him that he needs to stop leading Riza on. Mm-hmm. So she runs into the shop. Grandpa's there and he's like, oh, you can come back later. Yugi's sick. Um, but Anzu's like, oh, I'll see him anyway. And at this point, there's a very funny line where as she's running up, Grandpa's just like, I'm not responsible. And just like, <laughs> yes, I love that. I forgot about that. But yes, that was so funny. He's just like, I'm not responsible. And just what he's like, uh, I sense some teenage drama about to happen. And I'm not responsible. Good for you, Grandpa. Way to set your boundaries. Yeah. Anzu enters the room and Yugi is like wrapped up in bed. He's got a cold press on his face. He's very clearly flushed and Riza's over him, tending to him. So he clearly is sick and Riza is taking care of him. So Anzu is not happy about this. Anzu's like, um, why are you here? And Riza's like, shh, the baby's sleeping, which is like a little creepy. <laughs> Um, this is a little tangential, but um, did you notice in this in this scene, Yugi has like a giant poster of the eye the the sort of eye shape that's on the puzzle or that appears on no no i didn't notice that yami's head when he says the door of darkness on his has been opened and he just has like a poster or painting of that just on the wall and i'm like what why is that there it's just i thought it was just a very weird um decision by of you know for the background animators to make yeah um is this where Anzu says um she looks like his wife yes yes and she's not happy they, there's this back and forth that starts um where Riza's like oh well we don't have any cold medicine in the house and Anzu's like I'll go run and get some so she runs we see her going to the store um getting some cold medicine and running back when she gets there however it's very weird because we see that Riza actually has medicine so at first you might be like oh well how did she get there so quickly? Anzu herself wonders, like, how did she get the medicine so quickly? And it turns out um, Riza had run into Joey, even though he wasn't in the room before. He, she had run into Joey somewhere. And now he's there. He, now yeah. he's in the room. And now Joey's there. So sometime in between the time Anzu had gone to get medicine, Riza somehow had acquired medicine and run into Joey and gotten medicine mm-hmm. faster than Anzu herself had it when she'd clearly just run to the pharmacy. So this happens once again. Um, where Riza's like, oh, we need some ice. Uh, and Anzu's like, I'll go get some ice. She runs, gets some ice, 
comes back to the room and what do you know Riza already has some fucking ice yeah this is when she says he um uh she looks like his wife because she's like slowly like pulling the ice out it reminded me of um do you remember that scene in jojo's bizarre adventure it's in part one it's in phantom blood when like Mm -hmm. Jonathan is is um, convalescing in the hospital, and Speedwagon comes up, and Arina is <laughs> moving the ice, and he's like, "Her hands are chapped from the fact that he kept she kept putting cloth in ice. She cares for him so much." Hey, Arina has the fucking delicate hands of a Victorian noblewoman. Okay, she hasn't yes. had to handle ice and cloth before, and good for her. I just it was just like, ah, yes, that's how you express love is by putting ice on someone's forehead um honda's also there now and honda says oh i ran into riza and because i'm a gentleman i decided to help her carry the ice so Anz is like what the hell is going on here like how does she keep leaving without me noticing this is so whack so at this point, Anzu is like, I'm going to pull an original. She's like, hey, you, yeah, I know you like mandarins, right? And he's like, yeah. Mandarin oh, also, oranges. Really, yeah. A bit earlier, Yugi was like, Anzu, it's okay. You don't have to do all this. Just just sit and relax. It's fine. Everything's handled. And Anzu's like, no, I'm going to get you some fucking mandarins and you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. This last trip we see in a bit more detail, Anzu heads to the supermarket to get those sweet, sweet mandarins. And as she's taking the escalator down, um, we see an evil-looking Risa, so Risa with her sort of evil face on, on the opposite escalator going up, and she just pushes Anzu super hard down to the bottom of the escalator. Yeah, and it's like, but how could she be there when... Yeah, and Anzu looks up and she does clearly see Risa running away. So at this point, she runs to Yugi's room again and is like, Risa, what the hell are you trying to do? She just pushed me down the escalator. At this point, Joey and Honda are like, uh, Anzu, you're acting crazy. Risa's been in the room with us the whole time. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> What has happened? I love how she doesn't trust Joey and Honda with that. She's like, Yugi, Yugi, even though you're sick and possibly delirious, was Riza with you the whole time? He's like, yeah, she's been here the whole time. So Anzu's like, oh my god. So at this point, Riza gets up and says, okay, I'm gonna head home. Um, And Joey and Honda are disappointed because they've fallen under her spell. Wink. Riza's like, oh, well, I've given you some gifts, my, my knitted gifts, and I've taken care of you. And... I want to keep something of yours so that I can always remember you, which I think is a very slick move because that gives him a window to potentially break up with her and not feel as bad. So she was even, she was giving him an out, but she really wants something. And so she's sort of like acting casual. She's looking around the room. She's like, oh, are those your dual monster cards? And she sees the Violet Hecate card that we saw at the very beginning of the episode that Anzu gave to Yugi. And she's like, oh, this looks really pretty. Can I keep this? Yugi says, I'm sorry, you can have any card but that, because that card was received from somebody very important to me, so it matters to me too. It's cute. And we get a very cute reaction shot for Anzu, so very similar to the Blue Eyes White Dragon. That oh my god, Jenny, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Can I just <laughs> tell you something really stupid and completely unrelated? Hell yeah, you can. Okay, so I am doodling, which I usually do. I am doodling mm-hmm. to like not get distracted while we're talking yeah so i'm doodling a picture of yugi Mm -hmm. because that is what is on the brain and i was like he i should do him in casual fashion because you're talking about that and i was like i need to give him a shirt um what should i put on this t-shirt so i searched i typed in gamer shirt on pinterest and i need to show you what showed up the first result that showed up and then you can stop laughing i want this shirt (laughs) okay listeners this shirt is a simple black tee it's got three 
small images over the chest area. It's got a blue um, sort of male symbol, a pink female symbol, and then it has a red USB port symbol. It says male, female, gamer. The three genders. Yugi is absolutely gamer gender. He's absolutely true, yes. Anyway. (laughs) This this just, yet again, truly proves that gamers are oppressed on every level, yet again. Yeah. I don't see gamer bathrooms. And we drink a lot of Mountain Dew, so we need to piss a lot. Gamers are a gender minority. <laughs> We're a gender minority, and we have to be, that has to be fixed. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, where 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 were you? <laughs> anyway, you've interrupted the beautiful, sweet moment between Anzu and Yugi. How dare you? Risa's pissed about it, too. She, we, her face goes in shadow, and she's like, I see, I understand. And she just runs out of the room. And Joey and Honda are all like, Anzu. Or no, they're like, Yugi, you made Risa sad. How dare you? And Anzu's like, shut up. He did the right thing. And they're all just screaming at each other. And Yugi, it's clear that he's kind of happy this whole ordeal is over. But he's quietly apologizes to her. And is sort of like, I'm sorry about this. I wouldn't have returned your feelings anyway. So at this point, Joey, Honda, and Anzu take their leave. And uh, Joey and Honda are like, oh, make sure you get some rest. And Anzu's sort of like yelling at Yugi like a... Um, well, I mean, Joey and Honda even say they're like, she's kind of acting like an overprotective wife because she's like, make sure you go back to bed and get some rest. He's like his wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Yugi has wives, the episode. He has many wives. Not all not all of them he wants. But anyway. <laughs> um, so Yugi walks upstairs to his room and inside his room is Riza, who has gone full feral. Also love how she literally apparently like only waited about five to ten minutes before going back. Like she didn't wait until he was sleeping. She didn't wait. She just saw him like leave the building temporarily with his friends. And I guess she like crawled up the gutter and just was like, I gotta get this card, which like massive respect. (laughs) (laughs) Massive respect to her like feral attitude, but I'm gonna have to dock points because that's not a good strategy. Yeah. But anyway, she easily is easily able to and evilly able to overpower him. And this is his beat up of the day. So she's just like holding him the ground and like shaking and choking him. At this point, something very weird happens where some sort of object due to their struggle like flies out the window and breaks breaks glass. But it's not clear from the struggle. Like nobody throws anything. So it's like the force of Yugi, I guess, getting put on the ground somehow causes something to fling with enough force to break a window, which I know this is incredibly minor detail, but it really bothered me. Yeah, I I don't remember this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have no commentary on this part because it would have made sense if like Riza had thrown something at Yugi and he had dodged, but it literally looked like she just got him to the ground and somehow he landed on something perfectly that it was like a shoe or something just flies out the window and breaks it. So of course this alerts Honda, uh, Joey, and Anzu who all run back up and see Riza choking him out on the floor and are like, this is not good. Um, so at this point, Yugi trying to escape, takes his millennium puzzle and swings it at her and is able to break free. Uh, and Anzu's like, I knew she was after that card from the beginning, which you didn't, but you did have a bad vibe from her. That's fair. And Yugi's like, I can't believe Risa would do something like this. And it's like, oh, you don't really know know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets points back because she takes out a whip. <laughs> yes. Second or third Yu-Gi-Oh! Season Zero villain to have a whip. Definitely Human Pet Guy had a whip. I feel like somebody else had a whip. I think it was just Human Pet Guy. I don't yeah, remember actually, There is somebody in a future episode that has a whip. So this is our second of three whips. We are going is it to the girl the- with the tiger? I'm pretty sure Tiger Girl, who is coming up very soon. Because that would make sense. Mm-hmm. 
She has like an actual reason to have a whip, whereas I guess human pet guy also had a reason to have a whip. <laughs> I just don't like the reason. <laughs> but anyway, um, she takes out a whip uh, and is just like trying to whip them. They are all running away. And they're running away trying to escape the the uh, <laughs> escape the house. As they're leaving, Honda like jumps from upstairs and blocks the exit. And Honda just freaks out and shuts the door on her. They're trying to like run out the back way. Um, at this point, Joey just tackles her to the ground and is like, she's able to like whip him and escape. Just a very good action sequence, I guess. Well, not particularly well animated, but very high stakes. Yeah, Anzu and Yugi have them separated and they're running down a street. Um, so they face another Riza, which is weird because we sort of see that Riza engaging with Joey. But this time there are three Rizas and there's three of them. It turns out that they're triplets. So all of the times that Anzu's got that Anzu got bamboozled, it was the triplets doing their shenanigans. Um, is this the part where uh, Joey gets kicked in the crotch? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that? that's the end of his fight with uh, yeah. Riza mm-hmm. one. I just wanted to say I was that 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 startled me. I was not expecting that. And also, the way they animated, they do like this weird star animation when he gets hit in the crotch, and it's not clear what she's doing right away until he like leans over, grabbing his crotch. So for a minute, I was like, "Did she cast a spell on him? Did she use witchcraft?" <laughs> and then he just kneels over, going, "Oh!" She cast me to the dick. <laughs> she cast the oldest spell in the book. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real classic. Also, weird by like just very weird random coincidence on the day that i watched this it was the third thing that i watched that day in which somebody got kicked in the crotch and i wasn't expecting it because it was ostensibly a children's show (laughs) because okay well not not watched because one of them is a book but on Mm -hmm. that day i watched this episode and then the other two like media that i consumed on that same day was was i rewatched the doctor who story mark of the rani which in mm-hmm. which uh the rani who is another time lord who's like a cool lady villain time lord who's very scientific you would love her by the way I, I already do and i've never seen her like she shows up and the master is also there and at one point she does kick exactly. the master in the dick, and he's like ah, it's very which is very funny it's against time lords too <laughs> and i had completely forgotten completely forgotten about that moment even though i had seen it before and then also i've been rereading the animorph series and there is a moment where somebody gets need and the crotch in um the andalite chronicles and elfangor is describing it and he like doesn't get it because he's an alien so <laughs> so he's like don't don't get that yeah so like his narration is describing it in a very like obscure way Simple way okay yeah but it's it's obvious that that's what happened and i was like that's just such a very weird random through line that like three things in the same day had a scene that i had was not expecting or had forgotten about where somebody gets needed in the dick. Unexpected theme of the day. Gotta love this. Just weird serendipity. All right. So Yugi is surrounded by the, Yugi and Anzu are surrounded by the three Rizas and Riza one uses her whip to take the millennium puzzle away from Yugi. So mm. she now has possession of the millennium puzzle and says, okay, you want your millennium puzzle back. I want to duel you. Um, if you win, you can have Millennium Puzzle back. If I win, I get to keep both your Millennium Puzzle and the Violet Hecate card that I want really bad. So Yugi's like, well, I don't really have a choice, so of course I'll accept. They head to the Kageyama sisters' dope witch decrepit net mansion. Love that for them. They've got a dual table all set up. And they start playing dual monsters. And at this point, I just want to bring up that like the last couple episodes that have had dual monsters games where Yami has officially started a shadow game. So obviously Yami 
has not emerged and cannot emerge because he doesn't mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't have access to Millennium Puzzle. We're seeing the monsters come to life, uh, like usual. And at first, I thought this was just obviously a more fun representation of the game than just having them like put cards on a table. But later in the episode, they actually both look up, both players are looking up in a way as though they're seeing the monsters enact themselves. And like the sisters, it's unclear if they actually have witchcraft or if they're just three sisters who lark really, really, really heavily and are very dedicated to the bit. Who can say, to be honest? (laughs) Everybody in the room acts as though there's a shadow game going on, even though there's explicitly not a shadow game. So that's my one I don't actually mind it because it would be really boring if they didn't include this or they could have had a cool line of like the witches starting their own shadow game or something. But it's just a very weird detail that I thought they just didn't think of. But anyway, they start their game. Yugi summons a little worm defense position. It's got like 1700 attack points. He's doing all three sisters at once. The only one of them is doing any of the actual action. I, I believe it's Riza, though. We haven't gotten names to the other two sisters, so maybe they're all just named Riza Kagiyama, which... Yeah, three Rizas. <laughs> dedication to the bit. That's so, how twins and triplets work, right? That's why you and your sister have the same name. <laughs> exactly. Two Jennies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they summon Red Hecate, which is a very strong card, like 2,500 attack points. Um, also clearly sort of works with the Violet Hecate card, so you get a sense of why they were looking for that card. They destroy Sleeping Worm. However, at this point, Yugi activates something he calls the Clock Card, which revives the worm and time passes, which turns it into Iron Beetle, which I thought was really cute because there's a card that Yugi actually gives to Joey early in Duel Monsters, and it becomes one of Joey's staples called Time Wizard. Yeah, that does the same kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's the same. It's very, I kind of viewed it as like the same card, but I thought it was very cute to see that included. Like, I literally was like, so that little clock pop out and I was like it's time wizard oh yeah (laughs) even though I have some problems with dual monsters you really do get attached to a lot of the characters like consistent monsters yeah we'll cheer when we see them like every time Yugi summons the dark magician I'm whooping I'm hollering I love it (laughs) like that's my boy dark magician like you just developed this attachment the Kageyama sisters then summon the second Hecate sister who's yellow Hecate uh, Violet Hecate is easily the coolest looking of all of these, but, but it's clear they've got a cool theme going on. Um, so both of the sisters, I guess I should call them both the Hecates just to make, because there's lots of sisters going on. Both of the Hecates attack the beetle and are able to kill it. Um, at this point, who, what do you know? Our, our boy arrives. Just as Yugi is swooning like a Victorian maiden from his cold, Kaiba appears <laughs> in the background. Yeah. The Kagiyama sisters are like quoting the and the um, Macbeth quote that they said at the beginning of the episode to Yugi to sort of disquiet him and everything. Mm-hmm. And Kaiba shows up and is like, "Hmm, I see that's a quote from Macbeth." He's carrying his little. Like, and he finishes the line, which I don't believe that Kaiba like reads Shakespeare. Come on, <laughs> I believe that this Kaiba does. I don't think like truly canonical, but I think this one they're they're making him seem like a very upstarty hottie rich boy in like a very classy way we i think he heard it in a video game that's and- <laughs> so true <laughs> i don't know what video games have Macbeth. Like there's got to be some he's like mm, the witch in castlevania 4 uses that quote <laughs> yeah 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 where he shows up um and he's like oh i know these three sisters they're well known in the dual monsters world they're really good competitors and also they'll use any methods to get the card they want which my note my notes noted uh just like just like uh, someone else you know. Just like you. Yeah, just like, yeah. <laughs> that maybe describes some other people that I can think okay, of. Okay, so at this point, Cab is like, I'm going to take over for him. He's clearly outside of his depth. This isn't a really fair match. If you win, 
you can have all the cards in my briefcase as well as keep keep the Violet Hecate card. Also, you can put the Violet Hecate card into your deck right now. So obviously the Kageyama sisters are like, hell yeah, this is obviously going to finish off our Hecate sisters combo. This guy's a moron. But Kaiba doesn't seem disturbed in the slightest. So he sits down and he summons a kind of weak Cyclops. They're able to destroy the Cyclops really quickly. But at this point, Kaiba summons our girl, the Blue Eyes White Dragon. And the guitar riff that hit uh, hit, hit in when he summons the Blue Eyes is so bitchin'. I mentioned Castlevania earlier because it sounds like something from like an early metrovania castlevania game like it's so good it's just such a good riff um so i was very impressed with the music there maybe we can like find a clip of it or something um i also in my notes just wrote she looks so good and for a minute i was like am i talking about riza or anzu and i'm like oh no i think i was talking about the blue eyes <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense she does she looks so good um so Blue Eyes White Dragon seems like it'll be able to kill all the Hecate sisters because it has 3,000 attack points. Both of the sisters only have 2,500. But at this point, the Kageyama sisters summon Violet Hecate. All of the Hecate sisters get fused into Gorgon, who is this like giant buff Medusa. Very cool. Please call me. <laughs> anyway, since both of our monsters have equal attack points, only the Blue Eyes is going to be destroyed. So Kaiba's like, I'm not even worried about it. He draws and summons yet another Blue Eyes White Dragon. So he's got two now. And both of them are able to attack and destroy the Gorgon, which I don't know how exactly that works because I would think that, okay, the Gorgon attacks and wins once, but then the blue... This is, this is season zero of the rules of dual monsters don't make sense, so they don't have to make sense. <laughs> Kaiba wins because he has two blue eyes and that's all that matters. Dual monsters is a game where the more blue eyes white dragons you have on your side the more you win. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so Kaiba wins the duel and he tosses Yugi back his Millennium Puzzle. So Yugi's like, you don't even like me. Why did you do this? I, I don't understand. And the final line is Kaiba saying, I'm going to be the one to defeat you. Nobody else is allowed to beat you. We're eternal rivals. And he laughs maniacally as he walks away. Episode end. Yeah. I thought this was like an interesting turn, I guess. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't expecting this moment because it's a classic trope you know the whole i'm the only one to defeat you. you but i wasn't <laughs> expecting it like from this version of kaiba absolutely not. this i guess early like it just happened quickly i thought and i was surprised by it it happened quickly and it's kind of interesting considering the fact that he's actually in the middle of sending four game masters to defeat him yeah it doesn't but it's like that counts as him defeating him by proxy to to kaiba's mind i think is it or is he just sending some high level scrubs at Yugi just to because he loves watching Yugi duel you know it's possible I think it's a mixture of both I was 15 and dumb okay I need you to look at this other t-shirt okay I'm excited hot topic I know I'm gonna love it already <laughs> that's not very magical pastel grunge ghetto dark kawaii gothic of you. <laughs> the internet was a mistake <laughs> I'm um I'm I'm shopping for a Yugi fit on hottopic.com like as we're, we're talking. He's putting that. I do think um that he would wear those goth shoes with the really high platforms cuz he needs all the height he can get and it would I be a good look. You should look for like a like a shirt that's like goth colors but it has like a puzzle piece on the front or something. I know that's very a little too ambient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I Google gamer shirt is because mm -hmm. I wanted to find something. I was thinking maybe something like Tetris on the front. Okay, wait, I know you're not a gamer, 
But what console do you think Yugi plays? I, I mean, all of them. But that's the answer. Like, he's like, he doesn't care. He loves, like, every kind of game. Yeah, he's the opposite of a PC guy. He has literally every console, and he loves them all equally. And he feels guilty when he plays on one too much. So he'll then switch to another one to play others. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, you know more about this than I do. So, like, what? Also, it's 1998. It is 1998. Um, I don't know my 1998. Well, let me look at 1998 consoles. I only know my, I only know my more recent ones. If we were to do recent ones, I think the one who would use the least would be an Xbox, just because PlayStation has the most single player games. And I feel like he doesn't play a lot of like multiplayer games online because I feel like he gets bullied in the voice chats. And I, I also <laughs> can't imagine him liking first person shooters as much as like puzzle games or first person role playing games. I know he likes, I think we know for a fact that he likes RPG type uh, video games. I just looked up um, games that came out in 1998. Baldur's Gate. <laughs> uh, Baldur's Gate. That's a pretty good game. I feel like Yugi would really enjoy Baldur's Metal Gate. Ge- the original Metal Gear Solid. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So here's, yeah, here's all the platforms for the game that, so. Basically, we're looking at, like, PlayStation and Nintendo 64, and the Game Boy of the moment is the Game Boy Color. Okay, well, I'm looking at games, and Yugi absolutely loved Half-Life, I would bet. Obviously, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Sega Dreamcast. I I, I don't know much about the Dreamcast. I don't even know what games were available. I think he's scared. No, he's not scared of horror games, but maybe. Discontinuation of the Sega Saturn. Yeah, I just, I I don't know why. I, I don't know anything. He plays Mar- Mad Starcraft, though. He plays Mad Starcraft. A lot of Starcraft. That's the only game you play with other people because you don't need to do, I mean, I don't even know what it was like playing with other people in 1998, but you definitely didn't need to do voice. I think you would that. need, like, LAN and shit yeah. like that. I don't think. <laughs> Which, like, nobody in my family has ever used. Or, no, I guess my parents have, but obviously, like, we didn't in our house have, like, a LAN or dial-up ever. I know some people... I forgot that you're from, like, a gamer household and that your dad is also into video games. Yes. That's so foreign to me, just as a concept. I'm from a gamer household and even beyond being gamers, like my grandpa, he worked as a, he was a contractor, like photographer slash videographer, and he always wanted to have the most up-to-date computers. So we would constantly, so every year he would buy completely new kits and we'd get us all of his old stuff. So we always had the most recent computers and we had a ton of them. And so we just had really good stuff the whole time which was nice. <laughs> so I feel like my experience, it's weird because we, I still wasn't allowed to have a computer that was just mine until I was like 15, just because my parents didn't want us too sucked in. We had to use like a public computer. There was like a the family computer and that's where I would play all my Neopets and everything. Yeah. I also had, yeah, a family computer. Oh man. You definitely have had a Neopets account though. 1998, like yeah. 99, 99 is year one of Neopets. So, you know, Yugi was like one, Yugi was like an early adopter on Neopets. I'm sitting this out here right now because, you know, pets and stuff, it's very mm-hmm. fun. It's like raising shit. He's, he would, Yugi would be a battle dome, a battle domer guy. I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd be an expert and he'd be polite about it. He wouldn't cheese with death. Not that you can be that cruel in the Neopets battle dome, but still. He would be like, I will not chia flower your pet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he would refuse to do that on principle. 
but he would um but he he would be goth but nice so like he would not to fly your pet but he would fight for Daragon um in the Maridel versus Daragon war oh my god is this like the <laughs> most obscure we've got <laughs> that's the honorable battle though that's an honorable battle just so you know for context chia flower is something that would i believe just like transform your pet into chia which is like the ugliest pet. And so sometimes you would, it would turn your opponent's pet. Your it was basically pet. a way of like griefing people. But it was horrible because you could have a beautiful pet that had like the most rare paint job. That's why I never went to the Battle Dome. I couldn't risk it. Um, really quickly, you sent a great picture of some platform, like super cute, pa- like pastel universe looking platform. Yeah. That I'm guessing are yeah. part of Yugi's fit, and I love them. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. That I think the cyber goth, like high platform shoes, that would be a good look for him because he's so short. He can wear. He he's so short. He can actually pull off giant platforms really well. I mean, not that you can't wear like high heels or platforms, no matter how tall you are, because like fuck that, who cares? But like shorter people, especially, can make can pull them off really well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, well, I look forward to seeing the Yugi fit. Hopefully you'll have something we can cobble together, like a picture you can share in the notes, because I'm very intrigued. I'm not going to finish this drawing, but like, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, there's no manga corner today, because this is a totally original story, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything else um, to say. All right, well, tune in next week. We've got another, I think, really good episode. We get to see more of Joey's home life, which I always find very fascinating, but this one isn't quite as depressing, so... Looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, I have one more Yugi shirt. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I think this this one, this is very appropriate. Don't you? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, like, gamer girl shirt that just says, Warning, I make boys rage quit. That's feminism, baby. <laughs> and you know what? He does. So. He does. He does. I wish they wouldn't be debunked <laughs> afterwards, but he does need to rage quit. Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S, or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.